1: Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's (laughs) old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness.
0: Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
1: On today's show, we take your questions on titles for family members when you choose not to get married,
0: contacting your colleagues while working from home, publicly announcing you don't have time for thank you notes, and getting RSVPs for events other
1: than weddings. For awesome etiquette-sustaining members, our question is about opening gifts in front of your guests,
0: plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on saying no to and leaving video calls
1: all that, coming up.
0: Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm
1: Dan Post-Senning. How's it going, cuz? It's good,
0: and it's funny. We decided to talk about something in our intro today that... Is like kind of both excitement and complaint all at once.
1: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
0: We're building a new website. Yes. And we're working with people to do it. Yes. Which is... Awesome. We are really excited. Dan and I do a lot behind the scenes here, and it's really nice when we are able to find ways to partner with other businesses and get work done, especially work like web work. Yes. <laughs> Dan, talk about our new website for people. Talk about the exciting part, and then we'll joke about our, our complaint and, and how we're taking it with a good smile. It
1: would be my <laughs> pleasure as many of you who are longtime listeners to this show know, when I'm not recording a podcast, I wear different hats at Emily Post, as does Lizzie. And one of the hats I often wear is Webmaster, Keeper of the Website. I know there are professional titles for these things.
0: (laughs) Dan the Man is one we often say when Dan is wearing this hat because nobody else at the company ever wanted to wear this hat. And Dan jumped right in like Dan does. I
1: I recognize myself as one of those horrible cliches in the world of web, which is I'm the nephew that got handed the family business website because I was the youngest person in the room at the time.
0: Hey, wait a second. I must have not been in the room. That's
1: true. How come you didn't get the website?
0: They stuck me with all the video work. I had to learn how to create videos. That's the
1: actual answer. Um, and I, I love it, actually. It's a challenge. It's fun for me. I enjoy sort of exercising a whole different part of my brain and... That all aside, you and I have been wanting to do a, a website redesign. There are some sort of user usability issues with our current site that yeah. we've identified. There are some user, let's call them usability issues with our website that we identified a long time ago. And yeah. we like our site. It basically functions well. But we've aspired to, as every small business does, do a redesign or relaunch. And we'd always thought it would happen next year. But with this sort of window of time where I'm not traveling and we have an opportunity to focus, we decided to accelerate the project and we've gotten to work on it. And we've begun. We've actually started the process of developing and launching a new website for Emily Post. Yes.
0: This is dream come true type stuff for us right now, audience members. You're seeing Dan and I smiling from ear to ear. It's true, I am. I'm sitting here with a ear. grin
1: plastered on my face talking about this.
0: We have long, just long wanted to get a handle on our web space and it, as ever, whenever you've traveled in time far from the the time when you've created something it it changes and how you need it to function changes and we're really excited to bring you all something that we hope will function better and be a lot more reflective of the voices and the content that you're used to hearing on this show here.
1: That's well said. Uh, But
0: also all of the wonderful details that we aren't able to actually get to on the show because they're visual things. (laughs) And so we are really hoping that in the end, I would guess sometime by next year, Dan, you and I will have, this will have gone on long enough that we will have fully populated it with everything that we want. But in the next couple months, it's going to be really exciting just to see what the start looks like and, and what our new space that we're operating in looks like.
1: Oh, I can't wait but i don't want to jump ahead too far because you kind of teased it a little bit the the beginning of this project started with something that i think that you maybe dreaded a little bit and
0: oh no definitely like dan and i we i don't know can we can we spill this secret dan
1: yeah let's do it we
0: we we secretly groan every time we have to join a new thing that requires a new app and a new system to check in on. (laughs) And, And it's not because we don't love connecting. It's just because it becomes like the same for everyone else. One more space that you have to pay attention to and respond in and jump back and forth between. And when you've got email and and now a lot of people reach out for business via dms and you've got what are some of the other places we get our social media accounts um, a phone system like just the direct ones voicemails to emails and has its own contact (laughs)
1: management system
0: (laughs) and then just regular text messages and, and phone calls and everything yeah it's it ends up just you're kind of like the more i can have most things in one space the better and Dan and I both were very reluctant to join the world of Slack. How many times have you
1: turned down (laughs) someone asking you to collaborate on a project via Slack? I
0: have. I really have. And, And this was one where we knew we couldn't. This is how the team that we're working with operates. And we also really view this as a wonderful opportunity. We know that so many communicate and work on Slack and value it and that as a two-person team we may not need it but that when communicating with other teams it's really valuable and so we're excited we are excited to learn it. But there was this funny, funny moment yesterday when we, Dan and I both felt like we were surrendering to Slack as we downloaded the program onto our computers and
1: everything. We sat there on our phones as as our apps <laughs> updated and and played like old people with each other. How do you make this yeah. work? Where's the button to turn this on? Am I going to remember how to do this tomorrow? I mean, we're
0: being totally silly, but we definitely we 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 were intrigued with how it works. We're excited to look at it, but we had our first kind of back and forth conversation with one of the other guys and and he's a dad too and he and Dan start dad dorking on the on the Slack chat
1: emojis pictures of independent the kids, without
0: kids had to chime in and just say y'all are dorks <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> jokes about being slackers like bad puns, oh gosh, those, bad puns those
0: those were the bad pun ones
1: i think i might have a new friend
0: i think you guys were hashtagging yourselves in your in your slack chat like hashtag dad dork or something <laughs>
1: Is it possible oh. I could make a new friend this way? Is that a, is that is I that something that could then. happen?
0: I think you're gonna have a, a dad in kind in this case,
1: oh.
0: <laughs> much like my my friendship with Kelly Williams Brown as an authoress in kind. Uh, I feel like this will be your professional friendship that is awesome. <laughs> no pressure, Mike. No pressure. I was gonna say right. <laughs> No, but we are really, we are actually excited to learn Slack. It is going to be really fun working with the team on this, and um, we couldn't be more grateful, uh, especially in a time that that seems very constrictive, uh, to be having the opportunity to work with others um, and just kind of keep each other going.
1: Well, because it's going to be a journey, both learning how to work in Slack and building out a new website for Emily Post. I can't wait to see where we are with both things in two weeks, in four weeks, in eight weeks.
0: I totally agree.
1: Well, despite all the excitement, we have some work to get to today.
0: Absolutely. You know it's coming next, audience. Let's get to some questions.
1: Let's do it.
0: Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth.
1: Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or a text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at Emily post Institute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just remember to use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show.
0: Our first question is titled, Happily Unmarried. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. My boyfriend and I have been in a long term relationship, and we both feel like marriage is not something for us. So, we are both very happy being unmarried for the long run. We are both very involved in each other's families and in the lives of each other's children. We both have our own kids from previous relationships. My question is what familial titles are we allowed to use? Can I refer to his children as my stepchildren and can he be called uncle to my sister's kids? Or since we choose to remain unmarried do we forgo these titles? Thank you so much, musically yours, Megan. I like that the musically yours when yeah. music was like you know that's very cool.
1: <laughs> It is cool. And I I like this question. Families look all kinds of different ways. And this is a great reminder of that. Yeah. It also makes me think instantly of the way pretty much everybody that I meet through Pooja's family is an uncle or an auntie in some way.
0: I'm a cousin and you guys call me auntie.
1: (laughs) It's the aunties. It's the uncles, the mossies and the mossages. It's awesome. Yeah. It creates this very close feeling with everybody that I just treasure. And it makes me think that if the label makes sense to you, if you're comfortable using it and the people who you're interacting with are comfortable using it, if it makes sense in all of your lives, I think it's perfectly okay.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think that the label that you probably wouldn't use would be the title of Mrs. Period. Mm -hmm. And that it doesn't sound like you're asking about that. But that would be one of the titles that you just wouldn't typically see. And even that it's not like it's a law. It's not like you only receive the ability to attach MRS period to your name. If you file for a marriage certificate, you know what I mean? It's not like they hand you like permission to use the title, permission to use. Exactly. It's a choice that you make. It's something that I think very, very, very few people choose to do without actually being married to someone. But it is technically like (laughs) the people might be very confused, but that would be the one that I wouldn't go for on Uncle, stepchildren, bonus children, um, children, if that's preferred, whatever it is that makes sense and gives respect to the other members of the family that are attached to the kids, too. I think those are those are the big considerations. But I see no no reasons why Megan can't be uncle or stepmom or something like that if, if she wants to be well or, and, well uncle aunt sorry you know what I'm trying to say <laughs> I do and,
1: and but I think you also tiptoed up to the caution there which is that words do have meaning and it's true. you you don't want to confuse people that the, the etiquette police don't exist no one's gonna come check your using the title license but the reason we have those titles is often for clarity's sake it helps people understand relationships and Labeling them consistently is one way that you give people sort of very clear cues as to what those relationships are. So I'm also thinking about a willingness to operate in that confusion well, about a willingness to be prepared to answer questions if people ask them, or be really understanding if someone makes an assumption about your relationship based on their understanding of the way you're using words that isn't exactly technically correct.
0: Absolutely. Musical Megan, we hope this answer helps.
1: When everyone does his regular job and helps out by doing extra work, then things go better for the whole family. Our next question is about texting, about talking. Hello, Dan and Lizzie. Hope things are going well with you both despite our new world and work constraints. I have a question for you regarding reaching others in our new workplaces. I'm with my colleagues in a new way during our shelter in place here in California and struggle with how best to determine if people are free to chat with me. I work in a medical clinic, and sometimes people are working from home but should be available as if they were here in person. But, of course, I have no idea if they are actually home and ready to talk or are out on an errand, etc., I start by sending a general text message to them, which is appropriate in my role as supervisor. Are you free to catch up sometime today? Which is often followed by a, sure. Then I text back, how about 11 to 12 or 3 to 5? My conundrum is that sometimes I get texts from other colleagues who send a text with, can I call you now? Which makes me feel pressured to respond. Once I was in the middle of checking on my beehives out in the backyard and it was not (laughs) a good time. (laughs) What do you suggest as the most ideal way to request someone's attention and determine a good time without too much back and forth texting? Thanks so much.
0: Anonymous, this is a really, really great question. And I I like it because it gets at the idea of efficiency and consideration and reality. Mm -hmm. Um, These are spaces I like playing in. But I think that either is technically fine and that there are benefits to both. The back and forth can kind of be obnoxious sometimes. And the advantage to can you talk now is that if it's a good time, it's easy, it's quick. You don't have to do a whole lot of back and forthing. There's a lot to be said for that. But at the same time, if you can't talk now, then you're launching someone into back and forthing or you're making them feel like they might need to respond to you right away, even though they just said now isn't a good time. (laughs)
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I think about the, the sort of parallels to that in-person experience. Okay. That if you were walking down the hallway at work and someone said, oh, can I grab you for a minute? You would not hesitate a second to either say yes or let me get back to you if yeah. that was the answer that was the appropriate answer. And I think the same is true from a distance. You just have to add that. Tone so that someone can hear that it's not a big deal. You're not rejecting them. They're they're just asking. Can you can I call you now? Oh, now's not the best time. Can we do it in thirty minutes?
0: Absolutely. I think that the that a good ask is what you know. We talk about that before on this show, but I think a good ask also helps here. Um, You know, hey can can you talk now? Understand if you can't. I think adds that little bit of. Uh, relief to the person hearing it, so it's it's not just hey, can you talk now? And someone's feeling the immediacy and the pressure of that. Um, and if they are out checking their beehives, that you know, that's like you, you're trying to keep calm, keep the bees happy. I think you, you want to feel less pressure when you extend that. Understand if you can't. I understand if you can't. No worries if it's not. You know, I think those are, if it's not a good time, those are ways that you can soften that ask and make it a really good ask.
1: Yep. Uh, There was something that jumped out at me here also. Oh, yeah? I'm not sure that sure is enough of a response from a supervisor who asks Uh... if you're available. (laughs)
0: glad you brought that up. Don't you think that someone should respond with the if they are with like the times that they're available? So it's like, hey, are you available or when when might be a good time you, you know, and then you say, sure, here's when I'm available.
1: Yes. <laughs> to me, that would so obviously truncate two or three back and forths. It would take right? three texts and make it one text. And, those are the places I'm just looking to seize an opportunity these days. And I would consider talking to people, particularly if I was their supervisor, about responding to an are-you-available text with some t- availability with some times.
0: Dan, there's one last piece that you're making me think of with this, and that it's not just about having the good ask, but it's it's all in how you do it. And our medium here, our method here, is text messaging And if it's not a good time for someone, getting a whole bunch of really short texts that are firing off whatever their notification system is each time one's coming in could be really annoying. So if you are going to say something like, hey, can you talk now? Totally understand if you can't. I'm available from, you know, this afternoon till tomorrow morning. Feel free to call any time. Make sure that's all in one block of text.
1: <laughs> I like it. Send one time, not four times.
0: Yes, I really dig.
1: But <laughs> Okay, before we leave this question, I have to say one more thing. What? I want bees so badly.
0: Do you? Do you think you might get them?
1: I think we will. And um, Pooja's sister keeps bees and has maintained a colony now and gives us honey and is, is totally Ooh. my inspiration. My parents had bees when I was growing up also. Oh, so I, cool. So I I know it's possible. I have early bee memories and Aww. just having my own homemade honey is such an ambition. I'm so jealous of our question. <laughs>
0: Well, to our anonymous beekeeper, we hope this helps you have much smoother conversations and communications while working remotely.
1: When we talk on the telephone, we should be kind and considerate. It's really very simple if you know three words. Please, thank you, and I'm sorry.
0: Our next question is titled, No Thank You Notes. Hi! I hosted a baby shower last year for a new mom-to-be and made sure someone kept track of all the gifts opened at the shower. I also sent an email with the home addresses used for invitations, trying to make the thank you note process as easy as possible. Just before Christmas, I asked my mother if she had received her thank you note, and she said no. I too had not received any kind of thank you other than a comment on the way out the door of the shower. Just after Christmas, the new mom announced on social media with a picture of a box of unused thank you notes that she was not going to send any of the thank you notes for any of the gifts she had received. She just didn't have time. I'm really trying hard not to judge as I am not a new mom. And I don't know what it's like to manage a new baby. But I'm hurt that the guests I invited into my home and asked were never properly thanked. I knew from past experience that the thank you notes would not be timely, but I never dreamed she would not send them at all and make a public pronouncement about them. To be honest, it is the public refusal to send the notes that really stung. I've never sent thank you notes as the hostess of a shower. Should I have done something for my guests other than thanking them for attending the day of the shower? Thanks, appreciative host. This is a really interesting question. I want to just highlight something that Appreciative Host is doing here because they are actually reflecting on their own behavior and experience after experiencing something negative. And they're wondering if their own actions are causing hurt to other people or if they've been lacking in some way. And I I, I just got to give kudos and props to that. I think that's really important. At first, I was a little confused as to hearing a story about the thank you notes and this kind of egregious way of telling people, no, um, I'm not going to be sending them to you. Um, I'm wondering if that Facebook post actually had thank you for the party in it or anything that said thank you for everything. You know question. what I mean? Or if it was just straight up, I'm not sending these end of story. I thought it was going to be about that. But what our question asker is really asking is, when someone leaves my house from a shower, should I be uh, thanking them afterwards as the hostess? I know that the that the guest of honor should, but should I as the hostess do it? Dan, what do you think? Well, I... Handwritten thank you note after baby shower.
1: <laughs> I don't think it's necessary. I think that... For the hostess. No, yeah. exactly. That it that really is the guest of honor's role for that particular event to write thank yous for the gifts that they received. I think of the host role as much more akin to that of, say, hosting a dinner party at your home. It's important that you're a gracious host, that you welcome people when they arrive, that you say goodbye when they part, you thank them for coming, warmly, personally. Um, That is, to me, the, the... the expectation of a host that you don't usually as a host follow up with written thanks to people for attending and that's about what you'd be doing here
0: people will thank you for hosting because you put on so much and did so much um, often it's really it is very gracious when a hostess says thank you afterwards to everyone especially if like If it is the kind of situation where the invitations happened, you know, on Facebook, often people go in afterwards and post thank yous to the space, that sort of thing. And a hostess thanking everyone in that space or on a group text that organized everything. And this is a shower. Chances are invitations were actually sent out or they might have been e-invites, excuse me. But I think that that's, that's kind of
1: enough. Yeah. The other thing that I've definitely heard about is uh, a host thanking a co-host with something extra special. So I could completely see a handwritten note or even a little a little gift for a co-host that put a lot of time and work into decorations or invitations or transportation, but but, but really went above and beyond, and a co-host really appreciated it. But that's not what we're talking about here.
0: Yeah. And I don't always see gifts between co-hosts. Thank yous, yes, for sure. But we do see gifts and thank yous coming from the guest of honor to mm-hmm. the hostesses or the host. And I think that that often happens. But yeah, I think our question asker is in a really good place. I think appreciative host has done all the boxes that they need to do to feel, they checked all the boxes, excuse me. But there was one question, we shortened this question and I was wondering your thoughts on it, the the regional aspect of it. Because in different regions, we do have slightly different expectations. And kind of even sometimes from social group to social group, things can be a little bit different. What do you think, Dan?
1: There are definitely regional style differences. Sometimes there are just friend group style differences. It mm-hmm. m- might be a generational question or... Um, oh, good point. Just just whether or not someone happened to have an Emily Post book on their shelf while they were growing up or not and, and had this expectation established in their mind. If I was a hostess and I was operating in a community where hitting your marks on things like sending thank you notes to people was um, a really serious affair, uh, mm-hmm. I think there might be some room here for the appreciative host to talk to the guest of honor about the potential impacts. And that's a much more serious discussion, and I would be careful about it. I was even in my own mind saying, I think that there might be some care that needs to be taken, thinking about sending out thank you notes as a host, Mm -hmm. in that it might call out the bad behavior of the guest of honor in some way, Mm -hmm. if you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'm going to make up for this lack or this omission by doing it myself, in some ways, you might highlight that it hadn't happened. And right. So, again, I'm thinking the delicate, depending—
0: Delicate, it it delicate. It is delicate.
1: And depending on the severity of the consequences, you may or may not want to talk to the guest of honor about how that choice could be perceived or how you perceived it even.
0: I was going to say it might, that might be a good place to start from the when you, I feel it can feel like, like pressure and and sometimes in position when you then start to count higher numbers, like, boy, everyone was really upset by that, you know? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that route, but I do think saying, you know, I was, I was kind of surprised by that. And I was also, I was surprised I was actually, it, it, it hurt. Um, you can have those conversations, you can own up to those feelings only if you think that it's going to be useful and, And move things forward and you're willing to to work through it that way. But again, coming back to just the original question, I don't think that our host here has to be writing handwritten thank you notes when hosting a shower to all the guests who came, especially if she has or he he has or they have at the door done a really sincere thank you.
1: And I want to do everything I can to put our appreciative host's mind at ease that the rudeness of the guest of honor doesn't rub off on you. Yeah,
0: good Good thought.
1: The fact that she made this choice doesn't mean that you made it, and most people are going to recognize that.
0: Appreciative host, we certainly appreciate this question, and we hope that you have many more wonderful gatherings.
1: Leave on time, and courteously too, thanking your hosts sincerely for the good time you had. All these things help to make a good party, a party that's fun for all. Our next question is about rare RSVPs. Dear Lizzie and Dan, what is the etiquette and strategy for hosting events that require RSVPs when I have found it impossible to get friends to RSVP for events? I'd like to throw my sister a 40th birthday party. Good for you. Nothing too lavish. A small space rented, a meal catered from a local favorite restaurant, and a swing dance band, her social group's favorite hobby. I just want her to feel loved and hope it could be an opportunity for her friends to show up for her as she has showed up for their celebrations. I'm not very experienced at hosting, but I know that I'm not the only one who has trouble getting RSVPs. I love cooking for others, but have wholly given up hosting dinner parties for friends. Even if I get a guest list to RSVP by following up individually, half the guests will choose not to attend the day of, and probably text me a cancellation during prep for the ongoing event. Are RSVPs only to be expected for weddings? Should I step this plan back to an informal gathering that is more scalable, and assume that only 40% of invitees will come? I hate to discard this plan only because I don't know how to get a headcount or proceed without one. Thanks. Headcount.
0: Headcount. I'm going to call out my generation for a minute. I'm please, guessing we're, please cl- do. we're close to the same generation or at least in, in the same like 20 year span. The idea that RSVPs are only for events that we are rarely ever invited to, to me feels silly because I feel like I'm asked to RSVP to stuff on social media all the time. I think that the phrase and the term RSVP is something that we're familiar with. So headcount, I think if anyone's claiming, oh, I never have to RSVP, I think they're just not thinking about the fact that they do RSVP regularly in lots of ways. They accept and, and uh, decline invitations for their work calendars and coworkers. Often, they accept and decline invitations to children's birthday parties. They accept and decline uh, invitations in dating apps. Um, they accept. You're so th-
1: right about this, because I am just sitting over here, just nodding and agreeing wholeheartedly. Someone,
0: I wish, like, I've, I'm not going to jump on Facebook right now to check, but isn't he even called RSVPing on Facebook when you. RSVP to an event on Facebook. Like I'm pretty sure it's called RSVP. And I think they even have a maybe category, which we don't usually tell you to put on anything. RSVPs are not out of place. It's just people don't always think of them. And for many people, when the invitations, I mean, forget social media, forget any kind of a, you know, work calendar type situation, but when a lot of your socializing is done and organized just via text message or email. Even those have RSVPs, it's just we don't always spell it out that we're looking for one. So it might not always register to friends when it comes to smaller gatherings. But this sounds to me like you're putting together something... That's, you know, formalized for sure. I mean, it's organized. You're planning ahead. You're figuring things out. You're renting spaces, you know, renting help to cook, things like that. Hiring a caterer. There's there's the getting language. Getting a band. Like getting a band. I mean, like this is actually a big deal. I am yep. guessing that you're thinking about doing mailed invitations for this. And if not, my guess is that you're thinking of doing some kind of uh, – somewhat special or noticeable e-invite as opposed to a mass text message or um, a mass email that doesn't have any graphics to it or a um, what's another casual way of inviting people just phoning the invitation in yeah a word Um, of mouth invite or my my hope my not my i shouldn't say hope but my thought is that the party you're throwing warrants that actual mailed invitation at this point
1: it sounds like that to me as well and you're walking up to what I think is an important part of our advice in okay. this answer which is that that RSVP or that request for reply is functional in ways beyond just getting that reply from someone in the method suggested on the invitation and i'm liking the way you're imagining this event which I also want a second sounds to me like an awesome event. And I don't want to tell anyone to scale back a swing dance party to celebrate their sister and her swing dance friends. <laughs> um, this is
0: awesome party. People are going to want to go to this party. I want to go yes. to this party.
1: <laughs> so it's about figuring out how to make it happen, which is a- another thing that's really great about this question. It's, it's about the future, which makes it something you can act on and let's get a solution that makes this party possible. The, invitation that's either mailed or sort of a notched up e-invitation starts to set the tone for the event. It starts mm-hmm. to be the cue to the people receiving it, how you're approaching this event, and what would be expected broadly from them as a guest participating. And the the nature of that invite, the medium that it arrives in is part of that, but also the request for a response it tells people things like, oh, someone's trying to manage a headcount. It also allows you to set up those windows that I can tell you're already aware of because you talked about in your question following up with people individually. And I think ultimately that's going to be part of the solution here, that there's no magic cure that's going to get everybody to respond effectively. But by having a date for that RSVP, you give yourself a window where you can start that follow-up process with people.
0: Absolutely. And the the final thing I'd add is that before laying out any cash, I'd take the temperature of the group so that you the date and the time you got to make sure everything kind of works for at least enough people for you to feel like it's worth it. And I don't mean that it's not worth it to throw the party for your sister. I mean, it just might be on a, a better day might end up being better for the entire group. That being said, it also might be that this is the day the venue's open and the caterer can do it and all those things, especially if, if we're already down that path. We might we might be beyond it. But if you have the opportunity to kind of take the temperature, find out if you're really going to have a good showing of guests for this, that um, then move forward with your deposits and things like that.
1: That pre-invitation feeling out for the practical feasibility of an event, is an important part of the planning process that we don't always fully acknowledge
0: yeah and it's not that you're asking people to decide early but it's it's kind of a soft ask you know it's like if someone had to cancel you wouldn't ever tell them wow gee thanks for last minute canceling you wouldn't say that anyway but again it's not to like push people to commit but it is to get them at least you know are you actually around on this day that kind of a thing
1: headcount we really hope that this party goes off without a hitch and that you don't have too much trouble getting your headcount
0: Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to etiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802 858 KIND. That's 802 858 5463. Or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so we know you want your question on the show.
1: If you love awesome etiquette, consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You'll get an ads free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing you help to keep awesome etiquette on the air.
0: It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And we first hear from Kate on episode 293 about donations for the deceased.
1: Offering feedback on the question about donations in lieu of flowers, in addition to the traditional methods of notice in obituaries, both online and print, and other communications. Often the funeral home will take care of connecting with the charities the dearly departed selected. As the funeral home will have an online obituary, they can add a link to the charity donation web page. Also, charities will sometimes provide donation envelopes to the funeral home for the visitation and funeral services. Just a thought to add. Love the show.
0: Oh, thank you so much. We also heard uh, from Anonymous on episode 290's postscript about titles.
1: Lizzie and Dan, I wanted to give feedback on episode 290 about titles. I, a woman, recently got married to another woman. I took her last name and used the name Mrs. Ross as I took her last name. But she also goes by Mrs. Ross, though she didn't change her last name. We both wanted to indicate that we were married, but we couldn't both change our names. Thank you for keeping me company during self-isolation, Anonymous.
0: That is an interesting part of that. I've often wondered if hetero men felt that way when they got married because their title doesn't change. And they're often not taking someone else's last name just the way things are typically done here, although there are times where that's changing. And I know a couple couples for whom that's changed. Um, But it's an interesting idea that women kind of, in general have this expectation or at least a question that gets posed to them about it in general. Whereas men, it's a a little bit less so, not always, but a little bit less. But what I was getting to was that I've noticed a lot of younger men really wanting to wear a wedding ring when they get married, to show that they have actually made that cross into that world some way. But you're right that it wouldn't appear on paper in any way. They would just be Mr. So-and-so and and Mr. So-and-so or Mr. and -and Mrs., you know what I mean? So unless you're attaching the names when they're spoken to solely, you're right. It it does just kind of sound like you. Same with if you keep Ms. If I stay Ms. Ms. Post when I get married then there wouldn't be any way for me to be indicating that I, too, had been married.
1: You know what I mean? Which is kind Um, of the default that we went with in the 70s.
0: Yeah. But it's 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 nice to have an
1: option on the other side.
0: Yeah, but I feel for Mrs. Ross's Mrs. Ross because she's sitting there saying, well, I didn't really get to change my name, but she changes to a Mrs. as opposed to a Ms., that's one thing that does happen.
1: And this is what we've heard about with, I'd say, increasing frequency is the use of the misses as a way to indicate that you're married, even if you retain your pre-married name for whatever yeah. reason.
0: I, I would love to hear back from Mrs. Ross if they prefer to be the Mrs. Ross or the Mrs. A Ross and Mrs. B Ross, you know, if they use their initials to distinguish themselves Mm -hmm. on when they're receiving invitations and that sort of thing. If you feel like sharing. Anonymous, thank you so much for sharing this with us. We are glad that we are keeping you company during self-isolation. And we are also just really grateful that you're keeping us company and continuing to listen to the show.
1: Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next piece of feedback, question, or comment to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463.
0: Mother's Day is right around the corner, and our Emily Post Garden Collection greeting card line by Issa Salazar has the perfect card. We can't think of a better time to send a beautiful, handwritten card and express your gratitude and love for your mother, or all those wonderful mom figures in your life. Now is the perfect time to order. Visit us at EmilyPost.com to view the collection and find out how to purchase so that you can send a little love to your mom today. It's time for a Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette, and this week we're talking about saying no. We've had a number of interviews this week asking about how to get out of socializing via Zoom or a video chat with a friend. And despite people having more time at home and often more incentive to connect, not everyone wants to all the time, and people are looking for polite ways Two disconnects. Dan Post sending, how can we say no?
1: (laughs) Can I give the bad answer first?
0: Give the bad answer first. Just do it, cuz. Go
1: for it. From the woods, on the side of a mountain... (laughs) What I just never saw the invitation to begin with. I, I... oh,
0: that is a terrible answer, audience. Don't listen to Dan. Don't take the bait. Don't be tempted. Don't be tempted. <laughs> you mean I have
1: to stand up and be forthright and honest and say no when I mean no?
0: The things that we actually do advocate, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> no. Minus it, it's the things idea. we
1: actually do advocate, just say yes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly um saying no when it feels right now like everyone should want to connect um this was something i had mentioned on the show i think a couple of weeks ago that that my therapist had told me she's found a lot of people she works with are saying that they feel pressure to want to connect but that they actually don't want to connect that they're tired from their days they're tired from their kids they're tired from things and Um, it's like more, I I should say it's about more spaced out when they actually want to connect. It's not that they don't want to connect, but how do you tell someone? No, I just don't feel like it. I would rather watch Tiger King and put my feet up with
1: a bowl of popcorn,
0: what do you think? And and then someone will pipe up and say, but we could do that together.
1: <laughs> well, and you're anticipating sort of the rebuttal to the answer I was going to give you, which is I think it's perfectly OK to say to someone, you know, I was about to put my feet up, watch Tiger King with some popcorn.
0: I think so, too. <laughs> In fact,
1: I, I've watched the comfort with delivering a message like that. Mm-hmm. get greater and greater just in my personal relationships.
0: It's easier for you to do it, you mean? It's easier for you to just say the real thing? <laughs> yes,
1: and I've I've watched it happen on the other side of things. I'm used to Pooja's parents just loving to FaceTime chat, and we spend a lot of time FaceTiming with them and their granddaughters, Anisha mm-hmm. and, and Arya, because it's a lot of our favorite things to do. <laughs> and... <laughs> At the same time, I've noticed Alka Pooja's mother getting much more comfortable just saying, oh, I'm in the middle of cooking dinner right now. Let's do this later. Or let's do it tomorrow. And it seems like as the frequency of those calls has increased, the comfort of saying, oh, let's do this a little later tonight or let's do this tomorrow has also come along with that. And I, I imagine that's going on for a lot of people.
0: I think so, too. And it's it's definitely why I suggest don't feel guilty about it when you don't want to connect and when you when when all your friends are gathering you know like i have a big family zoom call tonight it's actually my first big family zoom call so i'm really looking forward to it but for a lot of people They're probably not. Or for my sister, who it's going to completely depend on how, you know, the schedule with her newborn is going today, whether or not she makes that call, that it's it it might not be as easy. And I just think people shouldn't feel guilty about when those times don't coincide well with their mood or with what's going on in their household. Um, But but try to rally yourself for the times when you can. And that's one thing I try to do if I've turned a friend down for a video chat or any kind of chat, really, <laughs> that's when I try to find a time when I am feeling good or when I am feeling up for it or when I can plan for it. I actually do that. And I think that that's something that's important for people to do, too.
1: Absolutely. it's From my personal experience, where, what are we now, week six, week seven <laughs> in the same location with the, a lot of the same routine, having those planned calls has Functioned in a lot of the same way an outing used to function for me. I can mm-hmm. count on that church service on Sunday morning. I can count on that Friday evening larger Gupta family just hangout call where people pop in and out for. <laughs>
0: oh, can you talk an about hour those?
1: plus? That's
0: because that's really different. So obviously, it's it's one thing. I think we're all pretty comfortable when a friend directly says, "Hey, do you have time to chat?" And you don't. Most of us feel pretty good about about saying no to that but hangouts and and larger Zoom things are like things that are like a lot of people have celebrated birthday parties um, via group hangouts online and stuff like that. I'm curious about the differences you see for saying no in the different scenarios we encounter.
1: For us, those group talks are so low pressure. They really are. It's, you know, maybe you have 10 to 15 different households all with A station set up somewhere and different family members, it's not always the same people, different family members are coming and going from the computer without a lot of sort of structure or rhyme or reason.
0: So is that for a hangout or is that for like a group chat or are you thinking of those as the same thing?
1: my language is not specific i was thinking of that as a group chat hangout
0: (laughs) gotcha 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 i was thinking for me group chats might be more like when um the girls that i golf with that we hop on a call together so that the the four five six of us can all catch up together but i think of a group hangout more like what you're describing where you kind of just say from like I don't know, six to eight, we're going to leave our Zoom group hangout on and anyone who wants to pop in can join. People might chat, they might not. You might just see people cooking dinner, not interacting with the screen. You know what I mean? I feel like there's there's a difference between we're all sitting here and actually looking into the camera and trying to talk to one another and we're just all tuning in and our households are participating together. And it's funny because they're kind of, They are very different things.
1: <laughs> and, and, and that second one, I've found much more satisfying than I thought I would, and I find that it works much more like a casual gathering works than I ever thought it would.
0: Really, it doesn't feel like it. Do, it doesn't feel like people just observe each other. They actually go in and interact at times.
1: Yes. the The, the, the example that's coming to my mind immediately is Pooja has a cousin group. Mm-hmm. So all the cousins get together on the chat, and they're the sort of primary connectors. But mm-hmm. while that call was going on, Pooja's cooking, and Oh Anisha runs off, and she runs off. I sort of come over to the table, and Arya is there, and I'm feeding Arya, and I say, "Oh, hi, Abba, hi, Preeti." Oh, and then a, a little sort of side conversation develops because maybe the people who had been talking are running around or doing something. It, it was very natural. sort of casual environment where you sort of bumped into family members the way you would if we were all gathered at someone's house and there were some people in the kitchen and some people in the living room and some people in the backyard …
0: Yeah, that's really nice. I really like that. And did you feel like you could say no or exit when it was time? What did you say to leave the group chat? Great (laughs) question. (laughs)
1: Because of the casual nature of it, it's a lot like a party. It's like, oh, you got to get trapped in a little conversation. You say to yourself, oh, I've got to go do something. And you go do that thing. Or um, it's very low stakes in terms of how you enter or exit either the conversations that you're participating in or the call as a whole. And Gotcha, gotcha. But, but That's there, nice. It,
0: that takes the pressure off.
1: It does. It does. So with less formality, there's less formality.
0: Well, we hope that this gives you some confidence in saying no, no explanation needed, and in navigating our new social lives that are very much so video lives.
1: Indeed. And as we figure out this new world of video socializing, we hope you're all staying safe and healthy. To get the best use out of party line service, this means, first, avoiding lengthy conversations. Long conversations keep others from using the line. Hadn't you better hang up, Peggy? Someone may want to use the line. Oh, Mom says I've got to hang up now. Bye, Susie.
0: We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we hear from Robert.
1: Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm a longtime listener. I've been listening since episode one, having discovered you during the dinner party download days. Yay! I wanted to submit an etiquette salute in this time of chaos and craziness. When my university closed down classes for the semester, I was left with a ton of free time. To ease my cabin fever and contribute to my community, I applied for a job with a local grocery store as an overnight stalker. My salute is to my shift leader, John, and all my co-workers at the store. Mm. Since my very first night, I've been made incredibly welcome. Everyone has been friendly and interested in getting to know me. The first night, I was introduced to everyone and immediately put to work with some guidance. My coworkers are happy to answer questions and help me when I can't find things on the shelves or am confused about what to do next. I was blown away at how quickly I felt like a part of the team, even though my work is technically a temporary job. I feel like part of a family, and it's a genuine pleasure to work with this group. It's been tremendously productive, and I'm happy to see such dedication and kindness in this crazy time. Thanks to the overnight crew at Martin's Groceries. And thanks to the two of you for being a beacon of goodwill and wholesome spirit every week. Robert.
0: Robert, thank you so much for that. I actually grew up with a Martin's Groceries. I'm sure it's not the same chain, but it's it's a familiar name. But that is, that is really sweet and also awesome of you to be jumping in and helping out where you can. I think that, that you deserve a salute for that.
1: I will second that salute, and I will add my appreciation to everyone who's helping to keep us fed right now.
0: Thank you for listening.
1: And thank you to everyone who sent us something.
0: And thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon.
1: Please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and coworkers, however you like to share podcasts.
0: You can send us your questions, feedback, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com.
1: You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802 858 Kind. That's 802 858 5463.
0: On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst.
1: On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute.
0: And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute.
1: Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette.
0: You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review.
1: Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks, Chris Chris and and Bridget.